0: back to the Leo Roundtable show. You know, I was um, sitting watching Fox News with my wife on Friday evening when all this crap was going down. So the title of this article, of course, like I already kind of hinted at, Parlor jumps to number one on the App Store after Facebook and Twitter banned Trump. So the social network Parlor, and I already said it was a, a Twitter replacement, it's a network that mimics Twitter. It's now the number one app. In the Apple's App Store. So, again, we're talking about Apple and we're talking about Google. So, it says that Parler's ballooning user base comes at a potentially perilous time for the company. Uh, and it talks about being removed from Google. So, just kind of tell you, I'm going to skip the article and just go to the good stuff. We're watching TV and, you know, I think we're watching Sean Hannity's show. And um, he's talking about how. Parler who Dan Bongino and and you know I like the Dan Bongino show. He's a former New York cop and he's also a former Secret Service cop. He's got the Dan Bongino show and he's also an investor in Parler and in Rumble. So Rumble is like a YouTube equivalent, and Parler is just like Twitter. But a lot of people have been leaving Facebook to go uh, to Parler. And in fact, you know, like I just said, you know, they've been just growing, and they're number one on the Apple App Store. So we're watching, and Sean Hannity's saying that they just gave, and I, when I say they, I mean that Apple has just given Parler a 24-hour notice on Friday that if they don't institute censorship guidelines that Apple likes that they're going to take them out of the Apple App Store and make it unavailable. So I told my wife, I said, make sure that you've got you know Parlor on all your Apple devices because it's not going to be available in 24 hours. And while we're listening to the show, a tagline across the bottom scrolls through saying that they have already been kicked off of Google. So I go onto my phone and go to the uh, Google Store, and sure enough, Parlor. There's a reference to it saying it's no longer available. And luckily, I already had it you know downloaded you know on my Google, my Android device. So. And and then, of course, sure enough, since that time, uh, Apple has taken them off. In fact, from what I understand, Apple owned the servers that Parler was operating on. They took those down, and parlor's having a hard time finding a server company that'll let them go online because they don't want to piss off Apple. So Parler is offline. You can't even get access to it. And... Uh, you know, it, it, it's, a sad, it's a sad day in America where the tech giants are controlling a conservative talk because these conservative platforms that I'm talking about, like Rumble and Parler, they let anyone post in there, whether you're conservative or not. Uh, but anyhow, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a huge hit. So I don't know where Parlor's going to land. Hopefully they will. Um, guys, we've got about nine minutes left. David, you want to start us off on this?
1: Um, Gee, sounds, sounds to me like the beginning of censorship but you know in in watching some of the and and not not hard right-wing people either that have that have voiced concern about this and along with what i had said months and months ago that if this goes in this direction um these companies are going to i believe suffer along with the rest of the people around them um, a exponential increase in what will be tagged as alt-right or far right-wing domestic terrorism. Um, the, the people like that that see this as an absolute attack on their First Amendment rights are not going to take to it well. It's just not going to go well.
0: But David, David, if, if Congress is controlled, both houses are controlled by Democrats, is it really going to make a difference?
1: No, it, like I said, it, 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 we're talking, listen, it, it, we're talking about stuff like, you know, uh, the, the rebirth of, the, of the, Timic, the Timothy McVeighs. That's who we're talking about. Um, coming out of the woodwork, you know, the Unabomber type people that are those far fringe people on the right as they'll be tagged, that are going to react to this sort of thing just in a in i believe in a in a horrific manner i mean brett was in you know attached to intelligence uh, groups in the departments and stuff like that it's got to be an enormous concern among uh that segment of law enforcement going guys do you understand what you're what you're doing what you're poking um how you're making going to make these people respond Um, And it's just, I mean, the suppression of free speech is, that is not going to end well. No, it's just not.
0: Thanks, David. All right, we've got uh, Brett, Ward, and Andrea, guys. Go ahead and jump in.
2: Well, Chip, I think to Dave's point, yes, they want this to happen. Yes, they want that fringe to grow bigger and bigger. The people who said, okay, this is it. You know, now they're censoring me. Now now I'm going to fight. Yes, they want that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy for the Democrats. Okay, They push and push, and all of a sudden these people react. Now they can say, okay, all along we were right. See, we were right. Just discount the fact that we were we were censoring them, we were shutting off their, their social media. But see, we were right now. You see these people over here? You see the people attack the Capitol? You see the people gonna rise up because censorship is now here? See guys, see Republicans? We told you this all along. Damn it, don't tell me this was not planned and well understood that it's going to happen and there's a playbook and it's all going, going according to plan.
0: Thanks, Captain. All right. Ward and Andrea.
3: Go ahead, Ward. First of all, first of all, this is not a First Amendment censorship issue. The First Amendment only applies to the federal government and to the state governments to the 14th Amendment. Private companies can do whatever they want. Having said that, I am concerned about big tech censoring people, and maybe there's some legal rev- avenue through the anti antitrust legislation, that sort of thing. Um, I, the Twitter cutting off Trump sounds hypo- hy- hypocritical to me because they haven't cut off the government, uh, the Chinese government. They they let the Ayatollah in Iran say what he wants. They let the Venezuela dictator say what he wants i ha- I don't know anything about parlor. I have read recently a highly respectable conservative uh, news reporting organization that parlor has been very lax in moderating um its content to deal with uh, threats of violence and it looks like to me now parlor's trying very hard to, to correct that because of the problem they're having with the with the other companies.
0: Ward, you're on parlor, you know through the show and stuff, and we've been on for you know for a uh, what two, three months in anticipation of something um, you know, happening with our, you know, YouTube and our Facebook arrangements and, and Twitter, because, you know, as, as we've been reading and, and, you know, Ward just touched on it, President Trump has been permanently banned. And of course, uh, just recently the, uh, you know, uh, Levin and, uh, Bongino left Twitter and, you know, they're on parlor. So it's, they've taken a huge hit. Andrea.
4: Uh, first of all, I think everybody should be terrified of all of this. I think it's very scary that they're, you know, they want free speech; they want to be able to say whatever they want to say, but yet they don't want to hear the other side. I, you know, I agree with Brett. I think that this is all planned. I think that this is, you know, this is what they want, and they want to see people react. Um, unfortunately, people have been saying for a long time that this is getting bigger than us. These these you know companies have gotten to be too big. Um, Amazon was actually part of shutting parlor down. And Amazon pretty much runs the world right now. So you got, you know, Amazon, you have Twitter, you have Facebook. So I, I don't, I haven't quite figured it out. Um, I know that, fine, you want to say these are private companies, but they do have laws that they have to abide by. And there have been federal things that have been filed. Um, I know that I'm trying to follow those. I haven't quite, um, I was actually trying to watch some of that this weekend. Um, I do think that, you know, like with Parler, they were saying that they're trying to accuse um, Parler of um, coordinating the violence and that that's what they're trying to shut them down with. Um, and I don't think that that's true. Uh, and if you look at it, if you watch actually Epoch times uh, is actually really good to watch. They were saying that he, he said flat out, we don't have that capability. Parler does not have the capability to be able to do that. And they're being accused of that. So they're now it's defamation of character of the company. You're trying to say that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to incite violence. They're not capable of doing that, but they can say whatever they want because they control the media. So you have Twitter. That you have Twitter. You have Facebook. You've got all these big tech companies. You know, all the companies that can sit there, they can say whatever they want because who's where else are you going to get the information? Who are you going to listen to? They even said, "Be ready. We're going to mail stuff out because there's no other way." Well, that's going to get shut down. Because we have problems with the U.S. Postal Service, I guarantee you, if Republican you know paraphernalia is coming to my house, it's not going to make it to me. I received something in the mail the other day that was shredded because it was conservative. I, I, it's a it's a huge problem. It's too big. It's too big. People need to start waking up and and pay attention.
0: Well, before thanks, Andrea. Before uh, Brett and David go, uh, Parlor is backed by conservative billionaire heiress Rebecca Mercer, and founded in 2018. They, um, of course, started getting spikes uh, when Trump got, you know, um, actually when there have been social media issues because of President Donald Trump that started back in November. They have 10 million plus users, according to The Wall Street Journal, and the CEO is John Matts. So you got about two minutes, guys. Um, Brett, start us off.
2: Uh, well, then, if, if she's that rich, why, why can't she? Heck, I'd, I'd pay to be a subscriber, form her own company. Uh, for the own internet service, so it can't be disrupted by uh, Amazon or Google and, and, and all those places. And I, I agree with the Lord about the whole speech. Uh, the, the the Constitution acts to protect us from government actors, not from private actors. We all have the ability to just unplug this crap, just walk away from it. But it, it, it's, it's difficult. The, the money that I spend on Amazon to buy crap I do or don't, don't need... Is helping to fund Amazon to cut off the web, the, the the social site that I wanted to be a part of. My money is doing that. The money that I pay for Google, that, that I use a lot of Google services, I I am in essence paying, helping them to close my own voice, and it's driving me crazy. That's the part that bothers me. Is, is that we are feeding them. The money that they're using to act against us
0: thanks Kevin. of course you know we need them with the show and without those formats you know we don't have a voice you know we we're reaching nobody so uh David you've got around 30 seconds
1: yeah super quick Ward of course is correct with the free speech and the and versus the government issue um, and it will not be the government that these far-right people attack it will be Uh, Google sites. It will be Amazon. It will be Twitter sites. It will be Silicon Valley that they try to burn down um, as being the great evil, uh, just like uh, Ted Kaczynski did, the Unabomber against technology. Um, It will be that that will come for them. I have a bad feeling, so be careful.
0: All right. Thank you, Corporal. Hey, we're going to take another commercial break, but we will be right back. I would like you to check out Column Case Management's NIBERS compliant records management application and their applicant tracking software. So some of their biggest clients are Chicago PD, huge agency, New Orleans PD, but their typical agency has only 15 to 30 investigators using their software. Their data is easy to enter and manage, and you can quickly drag any size attachment, including video, into your case from a desktop, laptop, or even a smartphone. They also have a 24-hour help desk. For a limited time, you can mention Leo Roundtable for a free two-year subscription. So visit ColumnCase.com or schedule a free demo by emailing info at ColumnCase.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable show. Andrea, you want to close us out on that last one, and, uh, and then we've got producer Will coming up after that.
4: I was just going to say that I did hear, and I, I don't know anything about them, but Gab, uh, I think it's G-A-B. I guess apparently I'm not on them, but they're um, not run by Silicon Valley, so they're, um, I guess, something that's good to maybe look into. Free speech, I guess they they try to promote, you know, both sides. Um, I do think that, unfortunately, you know, just like Brett said, you know, we all we're, we are—if we just cut everything off and don't use Amazon or Google or anything like that—yeah, it'd be great. But unfortunately, we've become so dependent on them. That's that's why things are so scary, and it's it's a huge problem. Um, I was actually just talking to a family member about that, and we we do it to ourselves. It ends up being a huge problem. Um, but I, I do think that. You know we need to start looking into some of these other companies i think that none of us ever expected that in the united states that we would get to be in this position i think we always thought that we'd be okay and that we could all just figure out a way to get past some of this but clearly we are in different times now
0: you know thanks andrea and you know before you go will um you know Andrea, it was kind of like a a shock to me that this happened overnight where they can take a company you know like parlor And just maybe even have put them out of business with just a a flip of a switch. So it's kind of scary. So it's even putting pressure on guys like me, you know, for our show. Uh, Maybe they have, you know, our subscribers, you know, people that just watch the show. And we're getting close to that 10,000 mark. um, Even though we've had upwards of 160,000 people watching the show a month. Um, subscriber rates are normally lower than that uh, but just maybe have these people go to our website register so we can get them on some kind of newsletter so that way we can just contact them in case we lose you know a youtube or facebook or we get booted off or twitter or whatever that we can give them another medium or tell them how they get a hold of us because it's just kind of scary when you, know, you wake up one day and you're off these platforms and then what do you do how do you reach anybody um producer will the uh the floor is yours uh mds and eddie leal just donated now who who donated first who started it mds ah you gotta love mike mbs mm-hmm. so uh hey thanks guys and uh you uh mbs and eddie leal both huge supporters of the show so uh thanks appreciate it. you know next time we do some deadly force scenario training videos uh, Brett, we've got to get these guys in town. I know, I know, Eddie Leal's in town. I don't know about MVS, but we got to, we got to get them in town and get them in, in some video action. And I'm thinking maybe the taser thing, maybe you know, that might be a good, you know, the five second ride, you know, that might be fun to get them on film with. So, anyhow, uh, thanks guys, great content. And um, this next one, we are on LeoFerris.com, Yes, it's a video body cam released of police shooting of man who said that he wanted to kill cops um it's kind of hard to see what's going on i mean it's it's a it, it's a kind of a clear video but from a distance you've got a man fatally shot by a modesto police officer last week um who was not armed the, uh, the department said in a video um released on tuesday night so the man was identified as trevor siever 29 years old he was shot outside the church of the brethren and this happened back on december the 29th so officer joseph La Mancha was, uh, I guess, gone to the church after Seaver's sister reported that he had bought a gun the night before and he made vague threats about harming his family. So, La Mancha's body -body worn camera video shows him driving up to the scene. Seaver or bad guys in the distance. The officer starts running towards Seaver. Then he stops. He orders him to, quote, get on the ground. So, the officer then fires four shots in quick succession. There's no apparent response from the bad guy. And then the officer repeats his order. And you can kind of see the guy, the bad guy, with both his hands up. He starts to drop his right hand. Officer fires three more shots. And Siever can then be heard yelling in pain. So he dies later that day at a local hospital. No guns found at the scene, according to Interim Chief Brandon Gillespie. And uh, this is the fourth time, though, the story gets a little interesting because it's the fourth time since 2010 that the officer's been part of a fatal officer-involved shooting. He's been on the force for 12 years. Um, of course, if they're all justified, it really shouldn't matter, but that's kind of you know where we're at on that. Any comments in that video, guys? Uh, I see Ward uh, jumping in, so go ahead, Ward. You got about three minutes.
3: My my first reaction is this doesn't look good, but, but there's a lot more to learn. I hate to make a judgment based on just that video, but um, I, I have concerns about this. I don't know why he opened fire when he did. There's no indication this guy had a gun on his hand as far as I could tell, but I'd like to hear what the officer has to
0: say before I make a decision. Everybody in the show is waiting for David to unmute his mic and to, you know, to give an opinion on this, you know. Uh, what I will throw out there is that um, the officer had reason to believe the guy was armed, you know, given the call from the sister. And uh, at least in the second point, I saw, I couldn't really tell on the first first point because of the distance, but from the second, sh- second string of shots, I saw the guy lower his hand uh, to where I expect the officers say that maybe he thought the guy was going for a gun, believing that he had a gun. But, uh, but David, your thoughts?
1: You know, I'll go with with of what Ward said. Uh, with him on that, I mean, the video is is not very clear. Um, although you don't, so you can't really see everything the police officers seeing. The guy's behind some bushes a little bit. There's some stuff between him and and, and all that. And I, and I, and it's very difficult. And it didn't say how far away the officer was when he fired so did he have a clear view could he see what was going on was he just reacting to to information that he had been told all of that you can roll into it but as ward said this is just starting to open up we're just starting to get information about it if you want to get into tactics you know it it seemed like the officer suddenly realized oh wait a minute there's a couple of great trees over here that are cover i should perhaps go there I was kind of waiting for him, because I'm, I'm st- watching the video going, dude, there's trees right there, go to cover. And he just stands out there in the open, racking off around them. And so, if, if you want to get into the tactics of it, okay. I, that's the first thing I saw was like going, go to the trees. And he finally went, oh, the trees. <laughs> and he ran over to him. Sorry, I laugh, it's cop humor. Um, but other than that, I couldn't see enough from the video to, to, to get a sense of what this officer was seeing and why he was shooting so I, again what like ward said reserving judgment on that until they piece it all together
0: all right you know um thanks david i you know i was saying i was thinking the same thing watching the video too um i will say that he gave really clear commands the officer did and his radio presence uh man he was calm cool collected even though he'd been you know firing rounds at this guy you know i never heard him raise his voice um you know you never would have you never would have known by his radio transmissions that he hadn't been involved in anything like that. So, uh, Andrea, you got about 15, 20 seconds.
4: Um, I think just real quick, you know, we always talk about the information that we get on the way to the call. I think you have to be careful about the information that you get and, you know, prejudging a situation before you actually see, you know, what's going on at hand. So that's the only thing I would say with this is there's not enough information to determine what, you know, what actually happened, but
0: Thanks, Andrea. And you're right. Sometimes we just don't have enough information on the show. The prudent thing is to do just to kind of like, you know, sit and wait for more stuff to come out. All right. On that note, guys, we're going to take another commercial break, but we'll be right back. Now, the Viridian Fact Duty weapon mounted camera. It has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. Now, it's fits standard uh, police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically when the officer's gun is pulled from the holster and it provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm. This overcomes inherent issues with body cams. Now, the Fact Duty employs a 1080p full high-definition digital camera with a microphone, and it also has a 500 lumen tactical light. It also has less expensive uh, data management storage costs because um, it doesn't really... Come on until you pull the gun out of the holster. So it beats other evidentiary camera systems. So you can get more information about the fact duty at gun camera.com. Welcome back to the legal Roundtable show. Captain Brett Bartlett. Did you have something you wanted to add in the last one?
2: Yeah, just real briefly on that last, note, other than what everybody said, I noticed that that gun looks like a Sig Sauer product. Uh, it's got some lightning uh, cuts on top of the slide. I've never seen that before in that kind of gun. Also, he has some very, very good uh, magazine-changing skills, you know, and and he upheld the old mantra, reload when you want to, not when you have to. Did you see he did the one-handed magazine? It was very nice, very nice. You don't see that very often.
0: Oh, thanks, you know, Brett Barlett, firearm expert, and, of course, you know, trained by Dan Dan O'Kelly at GunLearn.com, so he is the man. That's right. All right, guys, thanks. Excellent uh, contributions, panelists. Let's go to our next one. We were back on PoliceOne.com. 264 LEOs, law enforcement officers, killed in the line of duty in 2020. Wow. Now, so it says that according to the new data released On Monday, by the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, uh, that is a 96% increase over 2019, where they saw only 135 duty deaths. And so it makes 2020 the deadliest year for law enforcement since 1974. And according to the press release, the COVID-19 pandemic is responsible for the spike. The category for other causes of death, which includes COVID, was up 300% over 2019. And just some other highlights: firearms-related uh, fatalities claimed the lives of 48 officers in 2020. That is a six percent decrease, actually, compared to only 51 in 2019. And then traffic-related fatalities increased, actually, two percent. So I thought that was interesting. So uh, um, not excited about the additional deaths to law enforcement, um, but I'm glad that it's um, if it's going to happen, it's COVID-related, not violent death-related from firearms. Uh, David D. Um
1: We say this every year, I think. Uh, guys and girls that are on the street doing the job, there's only a few things out there that you can control. Uh, one of those is uh, your traffic safety, wear your seatbelts, uh, be safe behind the wheel, things of that nature. Uh, those things you can control. Everything else, your your training and a little bit of luck goes into it. But Control the things you can. Be safe where you can with cars. That's the worst thing, is is vehicle deaths. They're just absolutely uh, preventable, 100% preventable. A lot of the other stuff may not be. Catching COVID and and passing away, uh, getting in a firefight and losing your life, a lot of those things sometimes are just um, that unfortunate part of the job thing that you have no control over. You don't get to pick it, as Brett says, when, when the, bad, the bad guy gets to pick the time, you don't. But uh, vehicle safety is all in your hands.
0: Thanks. Good point, David. All right, guys, if there's nobody else, we'll move uh, to a video, another video. You know, this was actually sent to us um, by Nikki B. So, Nikki, thanks for sending this. Now, it's actually on Facebook. It's the South Euclid Police Department, and it's their channel on Facebook. You know, it's a vegal extraction. So, love these things. The only thing missing, uh, Nikki, is a canine. But uh, anyhow, there's a lot of time transpires in this. And uh, I made a note, and actually Vicky, uh, I'm sorry, Nikki noticed it, about, about a 20-minute wait for the supervisor to get permission to actually extract this guy from the car. But on June 16th of 2020, officer stops the vehicle for driving with an expired license plate. The operator is also not wearing a safety belt, seat belt. Now, after running the operator's license, they learned that the 22-year-old driver He's a a Richmond Heights man. He had multiple license suspensions and of course was not permitted to drive under the state Ohio law. So rather than arrest and impound the vehicle though, or arrest him and impound the vehicle, the officer requested the man uh, gets a licensed driver and he's only gonna give him a citation and he's gonna release the guy. But the driver tells him that he doesn't know a licensed driver. So they call a tow truck. And the video is from one of the officer's body worn cameras and they also make note that at any point after receiving the citation, this motorist was free to leave. But, of course, um, it doesn't work out that way. He doesn't get out of the car. In fact, for a lot of the, the video, he doesn't even want to communicate with the officers. And there's a lot of hem and hawing. I know this drives Brett crazy because you just give the bad guy more opportunities to sit there and plan you know, your demise on what he can do to get out of this. And you know, I guess... I think most of us were fortunate enough to work at agencies to where, you know, or work for people that, you know, we don't have to call supervisors and ask for permission. You just take care of business as a police officer. And it's just really frustrating watching these guys waiting for a supervisor to give them the green light to extract this guy out of the car. But uh, any comments on that video? I know we've got uh, a little over five minutes or five minutes left, but uh, anybody? uh, In fact, Nikki sent me, when she sent me the email with the video, David. Uh, yes, yeah, she mentioned you by name and thought that you would go crazy <laughs> you know, watching, watching this. And she didn't put down no. a grind on a molar, <laughs> but she thought that you would, your blood pressure would go up watching the video.
1: Listen, I, I was watching to see if Brett was going was gonna to jump it or, or not. It's, it's the same story that we see all the time. It's the, either the inability or the unwillingness or the fear of doing your job for whatever reason. And I understand it these days, I get it. Um, my supervisor oftentimes would wish that I called them more often before I did something that I did. But uh, you know, what, what, what can I tell you? Um, uh, again, same thing, it, you, you talk, 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 tell them once, warn them once, and then it's, it's, it's done. Um, so that, that's that's the end of that, that's the way it should have been. I, I don't know what tools they had on their belt, if there was a taser available, if there was OC spray available to assist him in in getting out of the vehicle, his decision-making on getting out of the vehicle. But in the end, they finally got it done. It just took an awful long time. I I didn't lose any molars. I I try not to do that anymore, Nikki. Sorry.
0: All right. Thanks, Dave. All right, Andrea.
4: I was just going to say, to follow up with what you said, Chip, I think that the times have changed. It hasn't just changed with the department. I do think that um, you're going to see a lot more officers now call for what should I do? Am I okay to do this? You know, they'd much rather get the phone call before than fill out the paperwork after. So I think it's just law enforcement's changing. I don't think it's necessarily the department, um, which is kind of what I've said all along. You guys were actually kind of fortunate. Um, and I saw both sides with, you know, the years that I was in law enforcement. I got to see the side where, you know, people got to um, really just kind of have more discretion and now it's a lot more the other side where it's ask permission first before you act and then they hold, you know, the supervisors a lot more accountable now than I think they used to. So I think law enforcement's changed unfortunately.
0: That's a that's a great point, Andrea. You know, I've always said the power of discretion is one of the uh most powerful things that a police officer has. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, but uh, of course, it needs to be in the right hand. So thanks, Andrea. If there's nobody else, um, I'm going to go to a really, really good article, and it's on Police One, and it's by a guy named Mike Callahan. He always writes great articles for Police One. And I think Ward's especially going to like this. It's called The Incremental Erosion of the Graham versus Connor constitutional use of force standard. So I know we've got a break coming up in a a couple minutes, but it talks about the Supreme Court's objective reasonableness standard. And of course, you know, in California, they've gone to a necessary standard and it's changing. You know, Connecticut, you know, wanted to go to a a hindsight 2020 standard. So you've got things changing all over the place. But the U.S. Supreme Court first addressed law enforcement's use of deadly force in Tennessee versus Garner. And it, it goes on to say that Garner, the Garner court set forth the constitutional standard for the use of deadly force as follows and says, we conclude that such deadly force may not be used unless the officer is probable cause to believe that the suspect poses a significant threat of death or serious bodily injury to the officer or others. We all get that. Now after Garner Supreme court further, um, I guess, went, went to even more definitions about the constitutional standard for police use of deadly force in Graham versus Connor. And they ruled that all claims that law enforcement officers have used excessive force, deadly or not, they should be analyzed under the Fourth Amendment and its, quote, reasonableness standard. Now, the court instructed that the reasonableness of particular use of force must be judged from the perspective of a reasonable officer on the scene rather than with the 2020 vision of hindsight very interesting. And the court also said that the calculus of reasonableness must embodify allowance for the fact that police officers are often forced to make split-second decisions and judgments in circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving about the amount of force that's necessary in a particular situation. Now, the court gave directions to lower courts. Uh, They instructed future courts. They counseled future judges and jurors. And now we uh, jump to the fact that some federal appellate courts erroneously examine pre-shooting police conduct. And we're jumping to the Tenth Circuit, and that's Oklahoma, Kansas, New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and Utah, and of course Yellowstone National Park, which breaches other states. And they frequently disregard the Supreme Court's decision on matters involving police use of deadly force. And the most recent example is found in Bond versus the city of Telequan. Uh, now on August the 12th of 2016, the police department in Oklahoma received a 911 call from the ex-wife of Dominic Rollis. And she stated that Rollis had entered her garage, was drunk, refused to leave. Officers Vic and Gerdner respond, and they spoke with Rollis at the side door of the garage, and during the conversation, the bad guy keeps fidgeting with his hands. Now, Gerdner asked Rollis if he could pat him down, but of course, the bad guy refuses, and then Gurner steps toward Rawless, and, uh, and uh, Rollis steps away into the garage. The third officer arrives, and all three follow Rawlis into the garage. So that's where we're at right now. You know, we're going to take another commercial break, but we will continue this in just a second. <laughs> about industry leader and technology solutions for law enforcement is Guardian Alliance Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. And we all know that there is a call uh, for more accountability in hiring and selecting officers to get to wear the badge. Guardian has developed a Sieges-compliant background investigative software platform that actually helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. And with Guardian, the entire background check process is more comprehensive and much faster for both the agency and the applicants. No upfront fees or long-term commitments. I strongly recommend that you visit them today at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. You know, and going through this, um, you know, they both followed him into the garage now. So Gertner ordered Wallace to stop, but he continues until reaching the back of the garage. He grabs a hammer from a workbench. He faces the officers with the hammer and the officers, now they back up and they draw their firearms. So he holds the hammer with both hands in a baseball type stance and he's facing the officers, drops his left hand, points it forward, signaling the officers to stop. Then he moves the hammer in his right hand and holds it just above his head. And so I'm thinking he's gonna throw it, right? So the officers order Rawls repeatedly to drop the hammer. He repeatedly refuses and instead he moves slowly to the officer's left about eight to 10 feet from Gerdner. So Officer Reed holsters the firearm, draws a taser. Reed takes a few steps towards um, Rawls and orders him to drop the hammer. He doesn't do it. Rawls pulls the hammer back behind his head, uh, but was still speaking relatively calmly with one hand stretched out. In response to his movements of the hammer behind his head, officers Gerdner and Vic fire several shots. He doubles over. He's still squatting. He raises the hammer again, and they fire one more round and finish him off. He dies. So the state, of course, you know, follows a lawsuit, excessive force. Under the Fourth Amendment, the federal district court rules in favor of the officers, but then the, uh, then the uh, estate follows an appeal. So now we get back to the 10th Circuit. So they reversed and stated in their analysis of the officer involved shooting that the officer's conduct prior to the seizure or the shooting is also relevant to the inquiry. And the court explains that the reasonableness of the officer's actions depends both on whether the officers were in danger at the precise moment they used force, on whether their own reckless or deliberate conduct during the seizure Unreasonably created the need to use the force. And the court also stated that its shooting examination will include whether the officers approached the situation in a the manner they knew or should have known would result in an escalation of danger. And so, anyhow, the last two paragraphs here Supreme Court instructed lower courts to avoid 2020 hindsight, place themselves in the shoes of the involved officers, recognize the chaotic split second life-threatening decisions they face uh, pro uh, that, that are facing the first responders and decide whether officers were facing life-threatening conduct at the moment they use deadly force and instead the circuit chose to disregard the instructions and it kind of gets a little lengthy we've only got around seven and a half minutes left so I'll let Ward I'll let you take it from here brother
3: I generally like the articles written by Mr. Callahan I I had doubt about this article so I read the opinion he's absolutely right. This is a very bad decision. Uh, it's based on precedent in the Tenth Circuit, which is also very bad. This case will make Brett, in particular, crazy. Um, what 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 it makes me crazy, not just Brett. Uh, what happened is these officers. There was a dispute as to whether the officer stepped forward when the guy was in the garage or the guy retreated first. And what what the Tenth Circuit said is, well, the. The jury could believe that the officer approached the guy, he retreated to the workbench, picked up a hammer, and held the hammer back in strictly a defensive uh, 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 fashion. And the court said that um, it applied a standard I don't think is applied anywhere else. Uh, It said it would look at conduct which is immediately connected to the deadly force and determine whether uh, the cops were reckless or, or deliberate in what they did to provoke the confrontation. Um, if the cops were acting recklessly or deliberately, uh, then they unreasonably created unreasonly created a, a danger. What the Tenth Circuit decided here is that the jury should determine whether the cop step, stepping into the garage was reckless. Uh, because it potentially cornered the guy who then picked up a hammer and, and, and couldn't do anything. Uh, they also said it was a jury issue as to this is 2020 hindsight in my view, which they said you're not supposed to use. They 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 said well it was a jury issue as to whether when the guy cocked his arm to throw the throw the hammer, uh, whether that was simply defensive or not. This is this is a, an absolutely crazy opinion. Um, now that doesn't mean the cops are going to lose uh, at trial. There will be evidence that the guy said. Uh, one of us is going to effing die tonight. The court refused to take that into account because they claimed it was disputed. That goes, that goes to intent as to why he was raising the hammer. Uh, I myself uh, think this is ludicrous. I, th- I, I myself, if I were a cop, would not have taken the first shot. But I think that the, the cops have a, a good argument, a winning argument. Uh, I, I, the only thing that bothers me is the final shot. I think that ought to go to the jury myself. I I do believe that there is a place uh, in the jury's analysis as to pre-shooting conduct, but this is not it. Take, for example, an arrest warrant that's uh, uh, obtained fraudulently or recklessly, or they recklessly go to a wrong house, they do a no-knock entry, they don't announce that they're cops, the innocent, unsuspecting homeowner grabs his gun and shoots, the cops shoot back and kill him. Now, I think that's a constitutional violation where you should take into account the the reckless behavior by the cops beforehand. But in my view, this case, uh, as a matter of law, the cops were not reckless and they should have been thrown out, in my view, uh, except I I think the the final shot should have gone to the jury.
0: All right, well, thank you, Ward. Is there anybody else on this one before we go to uh, another video? All right. Well, Brett did not bite, so maybe he'll bite on the next one here. We got four minutes left, and we are on police1.com. Minnesota police, they kill a knife-wielding suspect after pursuit, and this is in uh, Robbinsdale. Now, officers in a Minneapolis suburb, they shot and killed a man on Friday after he refused commands to drop a knife and rush them following a brief chase. Uh, I believe it was a... Uh, a uh, Pedestrian or, or, or bystander that was filming this. It was from a distance, but uh, the shooting by Robbinsdale police happened shortly before 11 a.m. The man who was white—I don't know why they always make reference to that ward. Uh, well, I do, but you know, the man, the white guy, was driving a truck owned by someone uh, wanted on a felony warrant. So after a short pursuit that ended when the officers blocked the truck in, the man gets out holding a knife and refused officers' commands to drop it. So maybe if we're in the 10th Circuit. And they blocked his truck inward. There might be an issue because they're they're forcing a deadly force situation. But the officers tried to use a stun gun on the man. It didn't stop him. So then the suspect continues to charge the officers with a knife in an aggressive manner. It's kind of like you know, you know, chasing around a bunch of park. You know, stop police cars. Officers discharge the firearms towards the suspect and then immediately attempt life-saving measures. Uh, but he dies on the scene and police said the knife was found you know next to the man and of course we got video going on so yeah it does say here video of the shooting taken from a couple blocks away by man who lives nearby at one point the man can be seen running toward the officers waving an arm as the officers uh, back away with guns drawn three gunshots ring out uh, before the video ends uh, anyhow captain bartlett you've got a couple minutes go ahead
2: Okay, uh, back to the back to the hammer. Yes, I will shoot somebody raising a hammer to hurt me. Uh, let's go ahead and establish that. Um, the, the the guy with the knife coming with the knife, he, he's a threat. Uh, the officers in their minds, they drew the line in the sand. So that's it. He, this close and no closer. It all adds up. Totality of circumstances. He didn't drop it. Uh, people know from about the age of five years old, don't rush at the cops with a knife. So, good shoot.
0: Now, uh, Brett, I got to ask you something, Captain. Now, if it's a pretty female, one hundred and twenty pounds, but she's really pretty and she's got a hammer, what are you going to do?
2: I'll, I'll I'll get her phone number. We'll talk about that later. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm only a man. I'm only a man. Remember, I'm up here. Okay, I'm up here.
0: See, I, I don't have to ask. Andrea's going to blow the chick away. So I, I know that. So look, we've got a, a minute and a half. Um, but uh, go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, David's good with the clock. No. So I'll let Andrea go first and then David.
4: No, I was just going to say the only thing wrong with this article is that it didn't say a white Trump supporter in the article. Because <laughs> if, then if it would have said that, then we would have been OK. Now, I, I definitely think that, you know, it's hard to see from this video. But I mean, with all all the circumstances, it was a good shoot.
0: Thanks,
1: Andrea. All right, Corporal David. Same thing. As, as Brett said, last story, uh, cops had, were there for a reason. It wasn't because they were in the guy's garage. They were in his ex-wife's garage. He was drunk and, and, and violent and uncooperative. Um, how the 10th Circuit went there, like Ward said, I have no idea. Same thing with, the, uh, with this other shooting. The cops were there for a legitimate reason. Guy pops out with a knife. I mean, where is the argument here? Um, unless it was an AP article, pressing the white versus black uh, thing again that Ward loves so much from the AP.
0: All right, thank you all. I see, we got um, Ward Mythaler, you got 15 seconds. Actually, uh, go and take the full 30 seconds, Ward, go ahead.
3: Well, I only need 10 seconds. David, um, the, the three judges in the 10th Circuit case were all Obama appointees, which may help to explain that ridiculous decision.
0: What are you trying to say, Ward? Uh,
3: uh, liberal, liberal judges.
0: I got you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Um, guys, we're going to go and close this out. Hey, look, thanks. Great content this evening. Um, look, our next show, it is, I see, the day is uh, January the 11th, so our next show is going to be on the 18th. That's two days before the inauguration. But I know, Ward, I see you laughing. But look, um, Look, thanks to our sponsors, um, ExtraDuty Solutions, Gunlearn.com, Calm Case Management, Inverting Weapon Technologies, Guardian Alliance Technologies. Thanks for syndicating the Spouse Hog Radio Network, powered by PEXIP.